Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low, Hornung, dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10, here's Van Pelt. He's at the five, touchdown Colorado State. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DMVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Have a dope episode today. Caught up with Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Colorado. Good to catch up with Kevin. It's been a couple of months. I'm used to seeing him all the time. It's been a while, but Kevin and I just kind of went back and forth about the 2021 recruiting class for CSU football. Obviously picking up steam. I'm doing a lot of recruiting stuff right now. Make sure you keep your uh, keep your eyes and ears tuned to DNVR Rams because I was able to catch up with Luke McAllister as well as his trainer, Tim Jenkins. So I've got a lot of cool stuff coming up on the site. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're sub- to the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to DNVR so that you can get all of our excellent written content. Remember... It's not just CSU content you get access to. It's everything. The Nuggets, the Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Buffs, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. But we just have such an amazing staff, and I always want to do what I can to hype them. But also want to do what I can to hype Kevin Lytle, uh, one of my mentors in this industry. So it was really fun to catch up with him. I honestly don't know why I haven't had him on sooner. I meant to have him on a bunch of times during football season. Time just kind of got away from me, but it was good to have him on. We did have a couple technological issues. Uh, The only reason I'm bringing it up is during one of his questions, it kind of cut out and we had to restart the Zoom. So because of that, uh, I just, you know, flipped it to the, flipped it to an ad real quick after that, just because he had basically said everything he had to say anyway. So it kind of worked out okay. But you know, all things considered, I think it was a really solid interview Really great to catch up with him. So we're going to jump right into that interview with Kevin. But first, the wait is finally over. DraftKings has brought legal sports betting to Colorado. Understandably, it may have flown under your radar, but sports are coming back. And just imagine how much more fun it will be watching a game when you've got a little skin in the game. The best way to get in on the action is with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings, yes, that DraftKings, has launched an online sportsbook created by sports fans for sports fans. This isn't some offshore operation like other gambling sites. DraftKings is a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can be confident that your funds are secure. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from whenever, wherever. I mix that up. You can bet from wherever, whenever. You don't even have to leave your house. Luckily for us, we don't even have to wait long for a major sporting event to bet on. UFC is bringing us some action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. 
each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, joining me today, we've got Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan, one of the uh, longest tenured Rams reporters now because we've kind of had some some turnover over the last couple of years. Kevin, how's it going, dude? Uh, doing all right. We're hanging in there as best we can, I think. Uh, but yeah, hanging in, looking forward to sports returning. That's for dang sure. I think hanging in is about like as good as anybody can say at this point. Like nobody's just like, oh, I'm just fantastic, phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, I think life. that's about right. Anyone that says that's probably lying. Have you picked up any new hobbies during this quarantine? Like I see some people are being productive and like bettering themselves. I am not, but maybe eventually I will. Um I would not say I have any new hobbies, no. I've been working out a lot, so that's good. Trying to go running every day, uh, but no new hobbies really. I guess I'm cooking more. That's not really a hobby. It's it's kind of forced, but but I guess that's a positive. That's like one thing I have. I just I'm so inept when it comes to the kitchen. Like I have to learn how to cook like an adult pretty soon here because I turn 25 next month, and I was just like, I still eat like a 18 year old. I got to get my life together. Yeah, I uh, I can do it. I just, uh, especially during you know the busy seasons, I'm not real great at being consistent. It's too easy to fall into the uh, go out to eat traps. So, so like I say, I, at least this has forced me to not do that. But I mean, in your defense, like you're always on the run. You guys have to cover a billion things between high school and CSU and everything else. Like, I don't really think anybody can expect you to be Gordon Ramsay on a Tuesday when you're going <laughs> in between practices. That's good because I'm definitely not quite that. <laughs> but uh, the reason I brought Kevin on is the 2021 recruiting class for CSU has just been popping lately. It's really grown a lot in the last two weeks. And I saw you post on Twitter about how we've seen a clear shift in recruiting philosophies between these staffs. And I'm just curious, you know, what is your impression on how this staff is doing so far? Like, do you think they're doing a good job? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a complete 180 from what Mike Bobo was doing his last couple of years. Because, you know, Bobo's first couple of years, he was, I guess, kind of similar to what we're seeing now. He would get a lot of early commits. But then, frankly, he got sick of them being poached. In the 2018 class, uh, there were 10 kids who were committed to CSU at one point that ended up not signing at CSU. Some of them are probably CSU's choice to kind of chew them away. But a few, you know, big time ones. Yeah, obviously that was Matthew Baldwin going to Ohio State, the quarterback. You had a linebacker go to Missouri. Uh, nice big defensive tackle went to Arizona. So you had some real big and pretty obvious power five coaching. So Bobo basically said, you know, F that. I'm going to play the waiting game and basically delay until October, November, December to try and, you know, get power five leftovers. I kind of hate saying that because that's kind of demeaning to the kids. I don't mean it that way. But basically, guys that maybe thought they were going to have, have you know, a certain number of Power 5 offers didn't get them, and then Bobo and staff would swoop in, and they had some success with that. Whereas now, obviously, Steve Adazio and, and crew are, are hot, big on the early commit, and they have officially eight. Um, obviously, we've seen all the coaches tweeting about another one today that's going to be the ninth commit in the class. Um, this one, I believe, is a, a very local kid um, who I've seen play a lot. 
but they're obviously, and that's a big number, nine commits, and we're in early May. This time last year, CSU had zero. Their first commit was June uh, 25th, I believe it was. Uh, so a huge change. Is it good? Does it work? We don't know, honestly. I mean, obviously it looks good right now. Fans are certainly excited. From a PR standpoint, I think it's great. I mean, fans are getting really excited. They, You know, the staff is really active on social media and the recruiting is part of that. So fans are certainly excited, but we'll see in December, do all these kids who are committing in May and you know, April and May sign in December. That's when we're really going to find out. And then even then it takes, you know, three years to find out how good a class is, but it's certainly a different philosophy. Uh, you know, every, all the recruits I've talked to um, really love the relationships they built with the staff. So um, everyone feels comfortable doing it when, most of these kids haven't been to Fort Collins or CSU, and and likewise, most of these coaches haven't met these kids in person, just on FaceTime and Zoom. So it's really interesting to watch this unfold, especially uh, during the pandemic here. Yeah, it's definitely been you know kind of impressive the way that the coaches have had to shift. I mean, it's obviously in, in 2020, it's a little bit easier because they just have so much access with like online film and all this stuff, and I'm sure they have like portals and stuff that we don't even like can't even get into, but like. It's it's definitely impressive. The the one thing I've noticed, it seems like they're going for kind of like that underdog type mentality recruit. Like you said, you know, we don't want to use the term like P5 rejects or anything like that, but it's clear they're going with guys who maybe don't have quite as big of offers and maybe you're going to be a little more enthused about playing at CSU. That was always my one question about going to the South and, and consistently getting some of these guys that Bobo was pulling in. Yes, it's great, and you want as much talent as you can, but you also need guys that are going to fit in your program and are going to want to, you know, succeed and thrive and be happy and all those things. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're right about kind of the, the ranking, I guess, if we want to call it that. Bobo's recruits right now are significantly outranking Adazio's as far as what you know, twenty four seven and all the recruiting sites say. Which, like I've said this a million times, use those as a guide not gospel they can give you a little in indication but they don't know especially in a place like colorado for instance there just really aren't many evaluators so a lot of kids that don't have a star rate or don't have you know a big profile it may well just be that they haven't really been seen because 24 7 doesn't have a huge uh you know amount of of evaluators out here but that's the one big thing both csu and adazio himself have basically since day one when he got hired said this is a guy who develops talent you know and that's been their big thing obviously that's what everyone says but there is some proof in the pudding of what he's done so yeah i think you're getting a lot of guys that um you know maybe the chip on the shoulder cliche if you want to call it that that yeah maybe we don't have the biggest offer list but are really really excited to be here and that's so far with this class it seems like it. i mean they have a group text thread that they're all keeping up with each other on obviously you know luke McAllister's kind of like rally you know he's the first commit he's kind of rallying a bunch of guys he's he's about as active as the coaches and hyping everyone when they when they commit so you have a little bit of that vibe right now of kind of you know the underdogs who want to go prove everyone wrong which again that's a good way to excite fans and we'll see how it how it works down the road what are your thoughts on you know, just like emphasizing Colorado. I think obviously it needs to be a big aspect of what CSU does recruiting, especially, you know, you're the smaller school than CU. But 
to an extent, I feel like it kind of gets blown out of proportion at times, you know, especially with like, you're not going to land every Colorado kid, especially, you know, the five-star ones that have offers from big programs. Do you think that they need to do more Colorado or do you kind of think they're like right along the sweet spot right now? Yeah. I mean, what they're doing right now, I, I kind of think seems pretty good. I think, you know, basically every year around sign day, I get pretty sick of the Colorado buzz of people thinking you should sign 20 Colorado kids. Cause that's just not true. They're, you know, they're usually about 20 to 25 Colorado kids, sometimes up to 30 that go D one of those. Like you say, there are a couple at the top that, yeah, if you can get Christian McCaffrey, super get that guy, but you're not going to get that guy. So you need that middle tier. The one thing I like, I think probably, you know, three to seven is a good number year to year, somewhere in that range. Obviously it changes based on the class, but what I like that Dazio is really hyping is he wants a big walk-on group and, and that is a way to sneak success. I mean, Nebraska had that obviously back in their day. Um, times have changed a little bit, but if you can get some of these guys that were probably going to go play, you know, maybe FCS level, get them instead to walk on at Colorado State, a couple of them will, will turn out really good. I mean, look at a guy like Barry Wesley. He has turned into, you know, just a superb player for CSU, but he started as a walk on. And, you know, there are several of those every year or every few years, I should say. And I really like that part of it. Sign a couple kids that you really like but try and get a bunch of the kind of mid-level kids in as walk-ons and see who can earn their way up. That's a great point. And I think that's one that probably gets, you know, underemphasized at a place like CSU. Maybe I think it's harder, you know, at like the P5 level to be an impactful walk-on, but you can kind of find those guys that slip through the cracks and are, you know, good enough to compete with the UNLVs and New Mexico's of the world. The one thing I will say though, with McCaffrey at Northern Colorado, it's going to be kind of an interesting balance between like, these two coaches and who can kind of land those fringe kids. Yeah, exactly. I think there's going to be a really interesting look at how both of them handle it. Cause sometimes you'll see coaching staff come in and obviously everyone thinks they're the best recruiters in the world and can land everyone. They're almost missing on a lot of guys they want with McCaffrey. It's going to be in- interesting because obviously he has a lot of pull with his name and history and all that, but still recruiting to, University of Northern Colorado that hasn't had success. So I'm pretty intrigued on how they're going to fit into that Colorado recruiting, uh, you know, landscape. Cause you have to remember Wyoming, everyone gets mad about Colorado kids going to Wyoming, but Colorado is basically Wyoming's home state because there aren't really Wyoming exactly, kids to recruit yeah. for the most part. So it's basically just UNC, CSU, and Wyoming consider them three Northern Colorado schools when you're thinking about recruiting in Colorado. What is what what is your general impression of Steve Adazio so far? Obviously, we haven't really gotten to spend that much time around him just with how spring ball ended. We even missed some of spring ball to go out to Vegas to cover basketball. Um, but it's clear he has a much different demeanor than Mike Bobo. I'd say he's probably not quite as media friendly. Not that he's like antagonistic or anything like that. I think Bobo was just a little more willing to kind of like play the game with us and, you know, just answer questions a little bit easier. But, you know, I, I, I don't think Adazio is like a bad dude or anything. So what is, what is your general impression of him so far and working around him? Yeah, from the media standpoint, um, on the one hand, his policies as far as who's available look like they're going to be a lot more open. Bobo really wanted to be kind of the one voice, the one message. 
And it looks like that's changing now. So that's going to be great. That's going to be really good for fans to get some different perspectives. Uh, himself, like you say, pr- pretty milk toast in what he says, pretty cliche heavy and all that. So I don't think you're going to get a ton of information uh, from him. I think he's pretty close to the best with all that, which, uh, you know, that's kind of fire for the course for football coaches. So uh, not a huge shock there. And then from just the coaching standpoint, obviously, like you say, super early, they only got half a spring ball in. I, you know, you, you and me were, were in Vegas for Mountain West tournament for part of that. So missed some of it, but the players seem excited as they should be the new coach. Um, certainly a lot of energy with the staff. They just seem, I don't know, a lot more, I don't want to say locked in because obviously Bobo's staff was locked in. It's not like his lack of effort, but they certainly seem excited about the challenge at CSU, certainly trying to brace CSU and the community. The players from the little bit certainly seem to be responding to it well. Again, if you're not excited for the first spring practice and a new coaching staff, like you have a lot of problems. So take that with a grain of salt. But but I think early signs are... Let me tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge is, of course, the official beer of DNVR. Right now, they need our help to keep the farmhouse kicking during this time. If you order a meal or beer from the farmhouse, use the code DNVR. Save $5 off. Nice. Super clutch. All you got to do, call 303-803-1380 from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. for your pickup order. They'll even bring it right out to your car for you. If you're like me, you're in Fort Collins, you can't really get down to the metro area right now. We're all in lockdown. That's okay, because I can still order some Breck beers directly to my house through the Drizzly app. Super clutch, beer right to my door. This is the future, people. This is the future. The 15-can sampler is the best bet for variety. Get a little bit of Avalanche Ale, maybe some Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter, whatever your fancy is, you'll have beer for everybody. That's the nice thing about Breck. They have just such a beautiful variety. Finally, if you want to get out of your house, you want to go support a local liquor store, you just want to get in there for a second, you can use the Breck Beer Locator to find the closest liquor store near you. It'll tell you exactly where it is, uh, where you can find all those delicious Breck brews, the nectar of the gods, if you will. Shout out to Breck. We love those guys. All right, we are about to jump into the over-under. Sorry it kind of cut off there. We had some technological issues, which is going to happen with the entire world using their internet. Um, One of the things that we've talked about a lot on the podcast lately is CSU football uniforms. And it's obviously something that comes up on Twitter a lot. Highly controversial. You have people that want green and gold, traditional, no matter what. And you have people that want the swag. They want you know the flash. I had a designer on and he actually... His opinion was that a lot of the CSU Under Armour uniforms are kind of trying too hard. He thinks they're trying to do a little bit too much to modernize them. What is your favorite CSU uniform and what is your least favorite? That's a good question. Um, I mean, State Pride is probably a favorite, um, but we'll kind of throw that out since that's obviously sort of a special one. Of the kind of traditional you know, ones that they can use pretty much any game, I love the... I would say green top, white bottom with the the white helmet is one of my favorites. I think that's just a nice clean look or reverse it with the the white top, green bottom. Um, I think that's a real clean look. I hate 
hate, hate the gold pants. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter what you're wearing them with. The gold pants look like absolute garbage. So just get rid of those. Um, but yeah, I think that the green and white is probably my favorite if I had to choose one. The problem with the gold pants now is they look like khaki. Like when you watch CSU yeah. in the late 90s, early 2000s, their pants actually look gold. Now, every I don't know if it's just because like it's that moisture wicking material and they can't get the shine right or whatever, but it, it I hate them too. So I'm glad you brought that up. The, yeah, uh, until, they, until they get better gold, just put those away. I know, I mean, they'll wear them probably every year at least once because it is the traditional traditional look but man i'm not a fan the other thing i wanted to ask you before we jump into the over under what is your favorite memory or favorite experience covering csu and you can go a lot of ways with this you know like whether it's a trip to a you know alabama or duke or maybe it's a, a story you got to tell locally but what you know so far what is your favorite memory covering the rams that's a good question there are a lot of them um I would say story-wise, real quick, I'd just say about a year ago, I shared Max McDonald's story of kind of his his fight with some anxiety, and and basically that's why he wasn't with the team for a year. And um, in my mind, uh, you know, really important story to share about kind of anxiety and and you know just mental health that people deal with. You know, people kind of tend to think, oh, a big strong football player, like their life is perfect. They're going to school for free. And, you know, here's a kid, local kid who had, you know, grown up dreaming of being the Rams who um, I, I'll never thank Max enough for being willing to share his story because that's obviously very personal. But I can't tell you a number you know, I, uh, people that I knew that it resonated with them. And that's the whole point of sharing a story like that is just keep that conversation, open up that conversation. Just not everyone feels comfortable with it. And uh, you know, I think it was really brave of Max to take that step to to open it up because him doing so, I I know for a fact open up other people being willing to share some of their struggles so that was really um i guess touching to me that max you know was willing to let me share that and then from kind of just the i guess enjoyment side of things i have a few i mean going all the way back to college some of my best friends uh you know me and chris tiller got to travel you know to louisville to cover the basketball team in the NCAA tournament um that was you know march of my last year at csu that was really special um Obviously, going to Duke this past year to cover the basketball game was was really huge. Um, you know, Alabama and Florida have been really cool, but probably those two basketball, the Duke and the NCAA tournament in Louisville, were are probably two of the top ones I've had a chance to experience. I'm super jealous about the NCAA tournament. Like, I would love just to be in that experience. The closest I ever got was kind of like the Mountain West tournament, I guess, in 2017 when CSU went to the title game. It was fun because they're there was, you know, decent crowd, but even so it like, it wasn't anything like the old school days back, like when you guys got to cover in Vegas and you had 10,000 people showing up. Yeah. And we got real lucky with that. The group CSU was in or that was playing in Louisville at the time. You know, we saw Anthony Davis's Kentucky team play twice, you know, basically a home game. So that place was nuts. And Royce White and Iowa state were there a pretty decent UConn, UConn team were there. A fun Marquette team was there. Is a really fun group. You know, I got to see, you know, Jim Calhoun got, you know, obviously there was with Anthony Davis playing, uh, all the media of the college basketball world was there. So it was a, you know, especially as a college kid, a really cool chance to talk to and meet some of the real big dogs of sports journalism. So, so yeah, that was a special trip. And that stadium was amazing. The Yum Center, I don't know if they even call it that still, whatever it's called, Louisville Stadium is amazing. 
you know, back then, did did you ever expect that you would, you know, come back to to cover CSU again? I know you had some stops in between, but kind of like what what were you thinking when you were coming out of working for the Collegian and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't think I really anticipated that I would cover CSU because, you know, frankly, there aren't that many outlets. Uh, you know, there's us at the Colorado and there's the Report Herald. And at the time, it was basically just the Denver Post. And those were kind of the three that covered, and obviously, Collegian, but I, I couldn't really stay there forever. Um, so, no, I didn't really expect to be in Fort Collins just because, like I say, there, there are only so many options as a sports journalist. And I was real fortunate that, yeah, like you said, I was... I was gone for a while. I was in Montana and um, an opening came here and I had had a chance to meet the editor previously and he reached out to me. So uh didn't anticipate it. it was sort of a winding road. And even to get back to CSU coverage, I mean, my early years at the Colorado and I was doing Colorado Eagles, I was running high school coverage, um, all sorts of things before kind of going back to CSU is the main thing. So, so yeah, I didn't expect it sort of a interesting wild journey never know what's going to happen to lead you back does it feel weird ever like when you're on i mean you've been on in fort collins now long enough that you're probably just kind of used to it but the weird thing for me just like having recently graduated now like whenever i'm on campus it, it's like kind of weird because it's like i kind of feel like i'm in school i guess but not really because everybody looks younger than me and it's just like that weird in between feeling yeah, definitely. There, there was some of that, especially early on. I mean, because I was even my a lot of volleyball and some women's hoops. And yeah, you're covering people who you know close to your same age. You were in school, you know, at the same time, albeit at different grades. And yeah, there. I mean, shoot, I, my early times, I still had friends, you know, at the collegian that you know I had worked with and stuff like that. So I'd pop in there, and, and so yeah, it's kind of like sort of in college, but without having to doing the thing. That was nice. Uh, but yeah, as you get a little older right now, now it doesn't feel strange. It's kind of just normal. I'm just like an old man on campus uh, when I'm there. But, but yeah, there were a few years there where it's like, well, we're kind of peers, but kind of not. So uh, it's definitely unique in that aspect. One of the things I always tell people, like whenever they ask about getting into journalism, is like, especially if they're at school, like CSU, is to get involved with student media, the Rocky Mountain Collegian. Do you feel like you would have been able to like get to where you were where I guess where you are today without the start that you got there? No, absolutely not. And it's the same thing I say. Journalism school builds a base a little bit of knowledge and things you need to know, uh, but you really need that practical experience, whether it's a collegian, CTV, KCSU. I mean, I, I kind of dabbled in all of them, was fortunate to do that. And yeah, that's that's huge. I mean, you need that experience. And that's also, I mean, how many different, I was thinking back on it, how many different collegians legion sports reporters have i gotten to know over the years because obviously i get to know you know you guys and then the younger ones as as they start covering you know football and basketball and uh get to try and, you know, try and help out whenever i can because that's what i mean at that time was a huge help to me and uh you know kelly lyle mike rohard were a huge help so try and do that so it's kind of cool to get to know them and so from the student side you're getting to make professional connections that you would never make in class. Um, student media is just huge if you're trying to go into the industry. I like that you brought up how people are mentors. Cause like, I mean, you had them, I had, you know, Kelly and, and you and Mike and Matt Stevens a little bit before he moved on. Um, I don't know. It's kind of just like a cool community. I don't think 
I haven't gotten to work in other beats, but my guess would be that not every college beat is quite so uh, just like welcoming. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, it depends on the person. I mean, I uh, don't want, I'm not going to name any names <laughs> here, but I, I, I certainly had a couple people who were very not welcoming, basically as a student journalist wouldn't give me the time of day and that, you know, it hurts. It's frustrating. And, and now looking back, I don't get it. I mean, I get it. Yeah. It's kind of cut through and there aren't that many jobs out there, but I've never felt the way to the top is to cut people, everyone else's legs out and stand on them. So um, that's not the way I want to do. I want to try and help when I can, you know, the kind of the mode I have is people that show they want to put in the effort and want to learn, I'll help them. And then, you know, if they show that they don't want to listen or don't want to try and learn, then I'll just let them do their thing, but I'm not going to go out of my way to try and, uh, you know, belittle anyone or anything like that. So, I mean, every journalist got help from someone above them or, you know, ahead of them. So I don't know why anyone wouldn't do that in, in turn. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, we're all fighting for a small number of jobs, but we all need good journalists for the, for the industry to survive. So, uh, it, it's, behooves everyone to help each other out. Exactly. And I, you know, I'll, I'll admit, like I made mistakes along the way. You and Mike, you helped me out with it. You know, you didn't, you could have, I don't know, like blasted me on Twitter or something like that, you know, ratioed me, whatever the, whatever the kids are saying. But, you know, there were, you instead, you know, you just kind of talked to me privately and you helped me come along. So I appreciate everything you've done for me for sure. And everyone else, make sure that you are subscribing to the Coloradoan, support local journalism. They do just do incredible local coverage with everything. Stay up to date with COVID-19, all the local businesses, all that fun stuff. But I do want to jump into some fun stuff here. A little bit of over-under because we have a new ad partner over at, at DNVR and that's DraftKings Sportsbook. So I'm doing a lot of over-under stuff. So I figured I'd throw a couple at you and we'll get your input. All right. Starting number one, over-under. Five wins for CSU in year one under Steve Adazio. Well, let's assume the schedule is played as it is set right now. I'll go over. Going over. I like it. 18 touchdown passes for Patrick O'Brien. He threw 13 and 11 games last year. Uh, I'm going over, but hesitantly. That one was a hard one. I was going to do 20, but then it seemed like just too high that like everyone would take the under. So then 18 is kind of like that. Uh, I could see it either way. Next one, we've got eight touchdown receptions for Warren Jackson. He had eight and 10 games last year. I'm going over. Going over. I like it. That'd be a big production, but I could see it. I mean, he, he should really tear it up. Um, next one, we've got 1,200 all-purpose yards for Dante Wright. He had 1,019 yards from scrimmage last year. But obviously, some of that dipped when defenses were able to key in on him a little bit. I'm going to go under and not as a knock on Dante or anything, but I think in some ways it'll be similar to what you were just saying. There will be a lot of focus on him early on. Um, and with the new offense, he, it may take a little adjustment. So I may end up looking really dumb because he could put up a, a stupid big number. But I'm on a hunch going to say just under. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Like... I'll be interested to see because when you look back at like how uh, they used to use Percy Harvin at Florida when Adazio was there, they definitely like weren't afraid to use him in the rushing game. So maybe like Dante, if he breaks some long runs, he's able to put up some crazy numbers. But like I said, we could just be way wrong. 
Uh, next one, we've got three interceptions for Keevan Bailey. It's been a long time since the CSU corner has put up those kind of numbers. Two picks last year for Andre Neal and Logan Stewart. I'm going under. Uh, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it with CSU corners being ball hawks. <laughs> I think Keevan has that. I think he for sure has that ability and probably will at some point, but um, I need to see it happen before I'm going to bet the over on that one. That's for sure. I think that's probably wise. I'll do the same one then. Three interceptions for Rashad Ajayi. He's shown it yeah. a little bit, but obviously he's going to have to come back from the injury and it's kind of a prove it year for him. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how he does this year because he obviously, his freshman year show potential be awesome. I'm taking the under again, same, basically same reason on that one, but um, I would expect Rashad will bounce back. I think he is in for a good year. I would agree with that. He's, I mean, just like a high character guy. The skill was there. Um, had to go through some stuff personally, obviously, which was really tough last year too. Um, two wins versus Air Force, Boise, Colorado, and Wyoming. Can I push? Yeah, you can. I think I'll push that. Uh, Boise's a loss for sure. Um, and yeah, I think they win two of the three others. I'm not sure which ones though. <laughs> I think that's fair too. The the Colorado game is going to be really weird, especially if it actually gets played on September 5th. Yeah, there's so many different things. I mean, with that game normally and now with all the various ways it could be played, um, that one's pretty interesting and, and definitely a huge swing to the season. Maybe that's what CSU needs in order to win a, win a Rocky Mountain showdown is a pandemic, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rams will wear their traditional helmet over under four times. They wore it exactly four times last year. Um, I'm going over. Uh, I'm going with the Steve Adazio effect. I bet he's not a real big uh, flash guy. So I bet we're going to go over. You know, I didn't even think about that. And you're so right. Like, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's it could, we're going white out this baby. Yeah, it could go one of two ways. He could be you know, very traditional and say no other than the special games or he doesn't have any choice go traditional or he could say hey, it's jerseys i don't freaking care you know as long as we don't you know get that set in the summer so i'm not sure what his philosophy on that is but if he's making the call definitely over definitely over i like it i think i would i think i'm gonna take the under on that one just for the sake of being different but i think you're probably gonna win that one um 700 receiving yards for Trey McBride. He had 560 last year, but got off to kind of a slow start. 700, that's a big number for a tight end, but Trey McBride is a beast of a tight end. That dude, he's an NFL player for sure. Um, gosh, I'm going to go slightly over because I think, again, we haven't really seen what this offense looks like, but Trey McBride is a Steve Adazio guy. Um, well, shoot, he's a, any coach's guy. Um, and I think he's going to be a big part of the offense. So I'm going to give him the over, even though that's a really big number for a tight end. I like the confidence. and I, I agree with you. I think he's going to have a big season. Got two more here for you. Uh, five and a half sacks for Manny Jones. He had five last year. I'm going under. Um, he for sure can go over. But again, kind of a new defense, new unit. In theory, Chuck Heater's defense should maybe give him some more possibilities, but also you don't know exactly how a guy is going to fit in. So I'm going to go slightly under, even though knowing he could definitely 
push the over and has the talent to make the over on that. That one I think is maybe the maybe the hardest one of them all because like you said, it's just so hard to tell. I could see him getting like 10 sacks and I'd be like, oh yeah, I mean the skill was there all along. He was destined, or I could just, you know, see him dip because that's that makes sense. It's a first year, new system, all that stuff. Um, last one for you. Four home wins in 2019. They've gone two and four in Fort Collins each of the last two seasons. Okay, so let me think. Home games are CU, UNC. Um, let me see. Uh, Air Force. No, not Air Force. No, that's like Springs. Yeah, you get Fresno. Um, I'm trying to remember where did Wyoming I go last year. Wyoming, uh, um, New Mexico. Okay, here. So you've got CU at home. You've got Northern Colorado at home. Fresno State at home. New Mexico at home. Wyoming at home. I think I'm missing one. They go to Boise. Oh, and Utah State. Utah State, yeah. I would push that right at four. Um, that's a lot of games. You, I honestly, they can win every game in there at home. Um, I'm gonna go at four though. I think that's where they'll land. I think that's fair. I think the how they do at home this year is kind of gonna be a big factor for you know how good they actually are. I think making a bowl game should probably be not like an expectation just because you never know in the first year, but it's definitely on the table. If you win the games, you're capable of winning, especially at home. Yeah. That home slate is very winnable. You, uh, you should look at that as a, as a fan or as someone on the team and say, we, we need to clean up at home. Uh, Cause CU's the toughest home game there. And, and that, like we say, is kind of a, a toss up anyway. So um, that's a lot of games they could and should win at home. Man. I'm so excited. Well, I'm trying to stay excited. At this point, I'm not really sure if we're going to have college football or at least the way we're used to it. But until until somebody tells me college football isn't happening, I'm just going to keep the the joy and hope alive. It's like Santa Claus. Until you until you spoil it for me, I'm going to believe. Yeah, that's right now uh, every time I think too much about the fall, um it's also try not worry too much about that. Very much, uh, to use Coach Cliche, very much in day-to-day mode at the moment. Got to take it one day at a time, baby. Exactly. Just got to grind. Smash mouth journalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. Awesome, man. Well, Kevin, it was great catching up with you. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties on my end, but we'll definitely get you on again soon, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me, Justin. Appreciate it. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like non for